mis amigos, le habla Fefita la Grande, la Mayimba. Lo que está a la moda no incomoda y si incomoda no es moda. Y si todo el mundo ha grabado la chiflera, ¿por qué yo no la puedo grabar? ¡Ah, pues está bien! Bienvenidos a Radio Menea, I'm Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soyla Pérez. And we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we're bringing you an episode all about the accordion and accordions in Latin American music because yeah. somehow there's so many accordions so many. in Latin American folk genres. So many. It's kind of amazing. We're not musical historians, so we're probably going to have more questions than answers, but um, we, I don't know. I think this was my idea of just trying to you know, come up with different approaches to bringing a set of songs, and I thought a particular instrument would be interesting, and this one is just, I think, kind of a kind of a funky instrument, right? I mean, I think in the U.S. it kind of gets like a little bit made fun of, which is probably you know fucked up, but I think it's just an, an interesting instrument because it's pretty unusual and not something that I have a lot of exposure to, but it's really common in a lot of Latin American music. Yeah, I personally really like the accordion. I think it's such an interesting instrument, yeah. and it's like wild difficult to play, yeah. and it's such a particular sound, right. and like, it's just like so strange as an instrument. Also, it's like air, but also a keyboard, right. and it's just like, it's like, a, it's like so a much is happening a here. wind instrument or something? I don't know totally out of my yeah. league musically but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well it's found everywhere from like the caribbean mm -hmm. to mexico to all the way down mm -hmm. south to argentina and so hopefully today we're going to give you a little taste of that and we're starting uh in the caribbean mm -hmm. in the dominican republic and hey. this is fefita la grande yes Toda la mujer chiflera diploma, se le hincha en la rodilla. La Mayimba. This is La Chiflera. And Fevita is a Dominican uh, merengue típico legend, basically. Isabelia Herrera, who is the music editor over at Remezcla, brought her to our Dominican Republic episode. So mm -hmm. she's been on the show before. Um, and she's just like a badass. Right. She is self-taught on the accordion, wow. um, which I cannot even imagine. It's not like teaching yourself the piano, right? Where like right. all the notes are like right there up and no. down and it's like no. very easy, black and white. Mm -mm. I mean, I mean, not easy, but not to say that there's yeah. not a difficulty in being a piano virtuoso, but it's not For so sure. straightforward with the accordion, mm -hmm. right? No. And even though she's self-taught, like can't nobody shred like she does, I swear to God. It's, yeah. like I said, a notoriously difficult instrument to play. And when she's playing it, I feel like 
the only thing that I can think about is like a, like somebody shredding on a guitar, you know, like that's, I feel like the energy she brings to her accordion, Perico Ripiao. And she sings and plays the accordion? And she sings and she plays yeah, the like accordion. that's like doing four things at once. Like, I don't even you at know. At least. I mean. <laughs> at least. And I imagine, like, probably the, the melody is different than what the accordion is doing. Like, musically, you're kind of holding different parts of the song, maybe. I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah, well, there's, it's just, it's a lot to think about at once, right? Because you're doing all the stuff with your fingers, and then you also have to think about, like, the wind aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it going in? Is it going out? Different, Mm -hmm. it has different tonal qualities, depending whether you're, like, you know, pushing it in or, like, opening it up. And it's, you know, it's just, like, very difficult, and Fifita is the greatest, you know? She's so amazing at it. And also, she, like, she's just, like, I feel like that bitch. If you're not familiar with her, you should do a Google image search. Mm -hmm. Because she's also, like, not just slaying with her accordion, but also, like, trying to be sexy with it and succeeding. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah. It's interesting because merengue, like, a lot of more popular merengue or that's not merengue typical doesn't have the accordion, right? So it's only this particular style of merengue, it seems like. I think I think the more typical um, and like Perico Ripiao has um, has accordion in right. it, and it has it has become like more pop. Accordion is less prominent right. in right. merengue. Right. So like and Juan Luis Guerra, you know, for example, right? Like no merengue in his stuff. I mean, sorry, no me- no accordion in his music, right? I, I mean, I'm not sure about, like, all of Juan right. Guerra's catalog and yeah. accordion presence, but, like, when I think of, like, a popular merengue song that might be on the radio today, yeah, there's probably not an accordion in it. Right, right, yeah, exactly. And I think we, we see that with, like, cumbia, too, and other, vallenato, other, like, I don't know if that's part of it, potentially, that when things get more pop, like, they start to pull that sound out, but we saw that in some of the other ones we're going to talk about. Yeah, maybe. I think that, like, depending on where where you're talking, because I think that, like, still in, like, Mexican, yeah. like, cumbias, you know, and vallenato, I feel like it'd be hard to do without an accordion, accordion. but maybe it's being done, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like, yeah, it's like, it's just, like, a very unique instrument. Yeah, when I think of accordion, I think of Mexican music, for sure. Like, that's where I associate it with. So it's interesting to mm-hmm. do this episode and realize, oh, no, it's actually a part of music all over still, you know, including the Caribbean, which I would not have assumed just from thinking about it. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, Fefita, who was born in 44 and is still going strong, like, remains, I think, an icon mm. um, for uh, Dominicans. The other day, uh, Tony for um, from Peralta Project yeah. tweeted um, after Coachella about, like, a dream festival called Coñochela with Fefita <laughs> headlining <laughs> and streaming through WhatsApp, which, like, that's what took me out. <laughs> Like, right, right. That's very streaming like through WhatsApp, like today, of course. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been to Coachella? It's like going on right now. No, no, I'm not really. I don't really like music festivals that much. Honestly, I think they're very expensive. Yeah. And you don't get to see full sets from the artists that you really like, and right. you have to stand around a lot, and you have to wait in line for food, and then you're usually like sitting on like some dirty grass and mm-hmm. like people are too drunk. I just, it's not really my scene. I'd rather go see full sets 
by artists I enjoy instead of like paying hundreds of dollars yeah. to like also have a bunch of artists that I don't yeah. care about right right be playing while I'm while I'm watching other right. like going in porta potties I don't know it's yeah. just not my scene yeah no, like I. I used to, um, I like, I used to go to Afropunk mm-hmm. a lot. And we um, went together last year. Yeah, year yeah, but it used to be free, and it, but I feel like, and then like, then I like would get press passes and stuff, but like even like, I think last year or the year before was the last time that I went, it was just so, it got so big and so overwhelming that it just like wasn't like, it used to be really chill. Yeah. And now it's like not chill. Now it's like, yeah, so many people, so many lines, like everything. Like if you want to like, if you're thirsty, it's a line. If you got to pee, it's a line. If you like, I don't know, it's just like, just team too much. I would rather not do that shit. Um, So, I mean, I was very happy to watch Beyonce set on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is much better than being there. Probably saw it. If you'd actually been there, I probably wouldn't have seen much of it because of the crowds. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that there's something about, like, being present for, like, the energy of a show or something. And, like, right. that performance by Beyonce, at least, was really, truly iconic. But I don't yeah. think that's usually what happens at music festivals. Right. I think at music festivals, it's usually, like, you're battling, you know, like, hard sound situations and weather and, like, yeah. so many things can go wrong because it's, like, not your usual sound people and not your usual stages and, like, everything's right. just, like, set up for that day or that weekend. And it's just, like, there's just so many ways that things can go wrong. It's yeah. not my preferred way to see uh, live music. Yeah. I think for people who are into it, it's about, like, the experience of it. You know, it's not just about the music. Right. It's about the party and whatever. So, but that's not yeah. Yeah. our scene. And I'm, yeah. I don't know. Not. Just yeah. not that excited about that. But anyway, Fifita's a total legend. Yes. Um, a while back, I just wanted to know that just to you know, really note her iconic status that our girl, uh, Belcalis Almanzar, um, was probably jokingly saying that she was going to collab with Fafita, <laughs> <laughs> but I hope oh, she's man. serious because like, can you imagine a Cardi B yes. Fafita collab? Oh my God. I really want Cardi B to like, get into merengue typico. That would be amazing. I think that, I think that her and Fafita would like, I really, I, I really could, could do some really solid shit together mm. so crossing my fingers Pepita actually heard about it she was like I'm down yeah <laughs> yeah I mean of course she's amazing. down who doesn't want to right. do that I mean who doesn't want to collaborate <laughs> with Cardi B she's so like big right now yeah all right yeah. fingers crossed yeah. <laughs> we'll be waiting <laughs> we're waiting for the Cardi B Fafita collab yes. any minute now <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my first song is actually Vallenato. It's called La Pinta Chevere by Silvestre Dangón y Juancho de la Estrella. Ay, me va a tocar tomar una decisión que me duela tan tonta que tú me quieres eso lo sé bien de sobrar pero esos celos tienen hija que esta historia dime quién se va a aguantar unos amores así que me celen que me llamen que me busquen 
gusto divertirme porque ya te estoy siendo infiel Y si me pongo una pista llevo todo verde Se pone a pensar locura En circunstancias cuando no contento Se imagina So this is a little bit of a throwback to our last um, full episode with Alex DB where we talked about music from Colombia and I had been in Colombia last March you know year plus ago and was talking to someone about music and they had mentioned Vallenato and mentioned this particular artist, Silvestre Dangon, and so I wanted to kind of look him up and bring him to this episode because accordion is a mm -hmm. huge part of Vallenato, right? It's like one of yeah. the sort of central sounds in Vallenato. And so he's actually, Silvestre Dangon is actually from Valle du Par, which is the town where Vallenato originated, according to the person I talked to and some research that I did about it. So he grew up in that town. Yeah. So he does have. That like, blew my mind, yeah. by the way, when I heard that Vallenato was from Valle du Par. Valle. <laughs> Like, like you're like oh. wow well and from a town called Valle du Pad, right yeah i know yeah yeah sometimes it's not that complicated you know <laughs> um, so anyway so he has like uh kind of home roots in the region where vallenato was really big and so there's a lot of you know i read a lot about his history and as a kid and being immersed in that and then mm -hmm. um he's become i think one of the bigger vallenato as far as i can tell vallenato artists in colombia um but we did talk with alex db a little bit about how a lot of the roots of the genre and get lost when kind of things get popularized by particular musicians and that there's a um, there's like a colorism, racism piece to this because oftentimes the people, including Silvestre, I don't know what his background is, but if you look at him, he does not, he's pretty light-skinned. So um, that there's a sort of uh, uh, rupture from a lot of the Afro-Colombian um, artists who are part of the traditions that, that these musical traditions come from. So I think this continues right. to, to right. replicate that pattern. So he got together with this guy, Juancho, who's the accordionist um, in the early 2000s. And then they kind of became this duo that did like 11 albums together over the space of a decade and were really popular. And so it's interesting to think about, like going back to what you said, that like the accordion is a really difficult musical instrument to play. And so like the role of the person playing it is really important to the level where like, you know, they get sort of co-byline where, you know, Sylvester's like the singer. And oftentimes the singer yeah, who kind yeah. of gets all the prominence and the instrumentalist, like you don't even know who they are. You don't know their name, right. you don't know anything. But I think in this context, at least because the accordion is such an important part of it, and it's because it's really difficult to play, there is a little bit more of like prominence for the, the you know, instrumentalist in this case. Although they actually broke up in like 2013, and now Sylvester has continued mm -hmm. to have like a solo career, and I'm not sure what is going on with Juancho. So there's still some of that where like the front person gets kind of all the attention. Um, so this song, La Pinta Chevre, is one of their, you know, hits. It's from 2004, I believe. Um, but they had a, a ton of albums that did really well together. I did read a little bit on, you know, Spotify sometimes has bios about people, and I read a little bit. I didn't find this in any of the research I did on the web, but um, that he has kind of a, quote, bad boy reputation, which I think is a way of minimizing, like, really oh. fucked up behavior, being like, oh, he's just a bad boy. I'm like, no, actually... So anyway, yeah, it, it like mentioned actually things. Actually, you're abusive and fucked right. up. Right. <laughs> like, you're not just a bad boy, like, slap you on the wrist, you know? Anyway, but I don't have a lot yeah. of context for this, but what it mentioned was, like, drugs, but also shooting guns in public, collaborating with um, cartels, and also assaulting a child. So, oh, you know, footnote to this person and his uh, his potential yeah. problematic yeah. behavior. But he's continued to have pretty significant popularity in Colombia and even in the U.S. Um, 
and he just released an album in 2017 that is kind of a departure from Vallenato. It's like more pop, a lot of it, and he even has a track with Nicky Jam called La Materialista, which does not have any wow. in it. Nicky Jam really like Gets really around. sort of married to Colombia. Huh? I know. He, like, really like. I know he's like adopted his it. His new beginning. He's adopted <laughs> in it. Colombia, and he's even like yeah, collaborating with like the traditional sort of like folk musicians of Colombia. Yeah, so I mean it's a pretty you All know right, Nicky Jam. I'm yeah. not mad at that. No. I'm glad that he's embraced it, and so. So yeah, so you know, like we Very said, cool. Bayanato accordion. We don't, you know, I, we were trying to do some research about, like, how did the accordion make it to Latin America? I mean, we know it was, like, German people because it's a German instrument. So German immigration, uh, but, like, going way back to, like, the 1800s, which is around the time that the accordion was invented. But I don't we, I couldn't find much about, like, the exact, like, why Colombia, you know. There's certain places where it makes sense. Like, Argentina has a ton of German immigrants, but, you know, Dominican Republic doesn't necessarily have a lot of German immigrants, right? So I don't. It's it's beyond yeah, the scope yeah. of my Yeah, yeah. Who knows knowledge. how that stuff makes it? I think that the documentation is probably pretty sparse, right? Because of um, the time frame on yeah. how it gets there, yeah, and how like an an instrument that's like just surging like gets to like have such a foothold in somewhere like Mexico and somewhere like that's so interesting, you know, Dominican Republic. It's very it's. Yeah, it's so interesting. And then, like, to hear how, you know, like, it lands in, let's say, Mexico or Argentina or in Colombia. And then what is produced with it is also different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and that it's so, like, integral now. Like, this instrument is so integral right. to these, like, very folkloric, some of them very, like, folk music genres. That's what's so interesting to me. Um I mean, yeah, because it like yeah. integrates with all these other right. musical traditions, and then it that, becomes you know yeah. included includes like you know like indigenous music mm -hmm. traditions, right? right? Exactly. So like exactly. it starts like it starts really deviating from each other because every region has like its own thing going on and its right. own particular mix. Right. So it's right. Very and with something like with something like the guitar, it's like well colonialism. Like, okay, of course the guitar has been so integrated into music in Latin America because Spain and Spanish colonizers brought the guitar and there was a lot of mixing of people and cultures and whatever in that process. Um but with Germany, I don't know, I mean I there must have just been part of the migration patterns yeah and then that's yeah it kind of similar like in the 1800s yeah. a big migration right i mean i'm to sure Latin america there's a musicologist out there who knows all the details about this but we are not those yes people, is so. that you give <laughs> us a call i know it'd be really interesting <laughs> i mean i'm like I'm, I'm super curious about all these things but but yeah for now we just we're just kind of focusing on what we what we do know from the little bit of research that we did so yeah what's your next one Vito? My next song is by an Afro-Argentina uh, from um, the northeastern part of Argentina where it borders with Brazil. Um, this is La Llegros and the song is called Chicha Roja. Aguaceros, cuelga la noche. 
I did bring La Llegros before. Um, I think she was just featuring on a different track, though. Okay. Um, I think. I think. Because um, I, I looked her up on our previous episodes, and I was a little surprised I hadn't brought her music on her own before. But I right. think it's because her last album came out right as we were sort of starting the show, and I just maybe never got around to it. Uh, La Llegros is draws inspiration uh, from a lot of different kinds of music, but because she's from that northeastern part of of uh, Argentina where it borders with Brazil, right. um, one of her main inspirations is the regional is a, a regional folk genre from there, which is chamame, right? Chamames and cumbias yeah. um, are um, and Argentinian cumbias were big inspirations for her. And, um, you know, like a lot of Latin American genres, chamame is a mix of European, which you can tell by the instrumentation where you hear like Spanish guitar and violin and, you know, notably for this episode, the accordion, uh, but also um, big indigenous influence, uh, particularly Guarani, uh, the Guarani people's music. So yeah, La Llegros is like many Latin American artists now experimenting with folk genres and um, blending them with uh, music that she likes that is, you know, music genres that she likes that, that are not from Argentina or not folk genres or, are, you know, other um, genres that she's interesting, interested in and just like making it her own, moving the genre forward. Um, and I really like her sound. This uh, song is from her second album called Magnetismo. Um, she sort of broke out onto um, the um, the sort of public consciousness um, in Latin American music, I would say, with her first album, Viene de Mi. Mm. Um, and she's a really fun performer. I've seen her before, and she's really energetic and and um, fun and good. And I interviewed her for Bitch Magazine, I would say, like in 2016 yeah. um, for her latest album, mm, um, cool. which was this one, Magnetismo. And yeah, um, and yeah I, I really like her. I'm hoping that she, um, that she has some new stuff in the works because she does all sorts of really fun stuff. I, I like this song. And I was like, it made me like be like, oh my gosh, she wants chicharroja so much. What's chicharroja? Yeah, what is chicharroja? <laughs> it's an alcoholic beverage mm. that people oh, um, usually... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I... It's so funny because chicha means so many different things depending on where you are. In mm-hmm. Venezuela, chicha is like a rice milk mm-hmm. beverage that you make right. with like condensed milk and right. cinnamon and it's sort of thick and like... right. And you get it like on the street usually. I mean, you can people make it at home, but like right. I always got it from street vendors. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's so good. Yeah. It's like and chicha is vanilla. A, yeah, the liquor is a corn liquor. Does it come from corn. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think a corn I liquor, depending on in, where. Yeah, I think I remember it from Ecuador also. Yeah, that's familiar. Yeah, yeah. I think that in the Andes, there's. Um, um, in the Andes, there's like a corn chicha, but I think that there, um, there are lots of different, Types. you know, yeah, different kinds of chichas. But Got I was it. like, but in this song, she's like, "Señora chichera," like, don't, mm. don't let me, <laughs> don't let me with with, don't let me without chicha for the winter, right. which yeah. makes me think that it's like warm. 
Mm. Maybe. Or maybe the maybe the alcohol makes you warm. Right. Or maybe it's hard to get in the winter because it's produced in the fall. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some chicha I know like people is produced by like you chew up the corn and mm. the, and then spit it out. And then the enzymes right, in from human your saliva yeah. actually help it break down. And then the fermentation process right. only begins then, well, it's not which like, is not, like an indigenous, yeah, an indigenous that, uh, tradition. Not really that different than adding probiotics, right? It's like that, which is what we use for fermentation, no. you know, just coming from a natural source. Yeah. And like probably yeast yeah, too yeah. in the mouth and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and enzymes, mm-hmm. I think. Like, there's, like, digestive enzymes that, like, mm-hmm. will break it down, right? That starts yeah. in your yep. in your mouth. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, so, I'm glad you got to bring her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. She's she's great. I'm hoping she has some new stuff coming soon. What was it like to interview her? Um. Well, I did it on the phone because I think mm-hmm. that she was, like, probably either in Argentina or on tour, not mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, and she was really sweet. Yeah. She was like, yeah, sweet and nice. I mean, on the phone, it's like hard to, to build a huge yeah. connection, Rapport. but yeah. she was, yeah, she was forthcoming with my questions. Nice. <laughs> we can put a link in the show notes to your article for bitch. Is it online? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's online. It was for bitch magazine. So I feel like if I can find it online, I'll put it up for y'all. If not, we might, you know, you might have to, I don't know, have subscribed to bitch magazine in 2016. I know. It's like uh, the way back machine. My college library had bitch magazine, which is how I started reading it initially. Mm, Wow. Yep. Throwback. And then one of the first things I ever published was in bitch magazine. I published like, a little, remember they used to have that love it, shove it section? I don't know if they still do. Yeah, but yeah. It was like things you liked, things you hated. And I wrote a little shove it thing about um, Project Red. It was like the Apple thing. They still have it actually where they produce like devices that are red to raise money for HIV. And I just was sort of like critiquing that type of kind of cap consumerism that's like supposed to be mm. altruistic, but like is not Yeah, very, yeah. Yeah doesn't really go there you know it's like kind of more about buying yeah. something than about actually supporting a cause I thought yeah I find that that's really coming back it was such a um I mean that I imagine was during like the Bush era yeah well um, was, not yeah, daddy was, Bush but like yeah yeah, yeah. it know, was before Obama Bush yeah, Jr. For sure. yeah it was like yeah and during the Bush administration I find that like when there are you know conservative administrations where like you know, um, there's like a like a liberal elite class that like feels like they want to do something. Like it's always like, there's always this idea of like, oh, we're gonna commodify dissent, right. and yeah. what you can do is you can make a purchase and feel fine, feel like yeah. you're doing something, right? Yeah, and I, and now for sure. it's coming back, right? Yeah, it's coming so back. Intense. It's like, wow. uh you know, well, and I saw like, something actually, about, about Project Red, too. What's going to happen? Which I hadn't what? seen. I saw something about Project Red recently, which I hadn't seen in a long time. So, Are they still around? And maybe they're bringing it back. I mean, it was really just like, Ugh. literally, like, you buy a red, like, iPod, you know? It was that kind of thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, or, like, you buy, like, a red shirt at the Gap or something. Right, and it would say Project Red on it, right? Gap was part of it. And, too. like, Bono was wearing one. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, do we you need know? to raise money for it to, like, deal with HIV AIDS? Yeah, but... Just give, give the money. 
Yeah. Don't buy another right. dumb shirt. Right. People think that they're doing something. Yeah. When it's like not having as big of an impact. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my next song is also from the Arge- from Argentina, but very different um, genre. It's called Bandoneon Arrabalero, and it's by Tabaré Leighton y Union Tango. Bandoneón Arrabalero, viejo folle desinflado, te encontré como un pebete que la madre abandonó. En la puerta de un convento, sin revoque en las paredes, a la luz de un farolito que de noche te alumbró. Bandoneón, porque ves que estoy triste y cantar ya no puedo. Vos sabés que yo llevo en el alma marca un dolor. So glad you brought tango. Yeah, we haven't like even touched it at all in like two years. It's amazing thinking about this episode. Just like such a reminder that there's just like the idea of like Latin music or Latinx music is so ginormous. Like it, there's just so much music and so many different genres that we could spend you know ten years and not get to everything. So, but here we are mm-hmm. at tango. Do you have any kind of? relationship to tango did you grow up with it is it something that you listen to at all i didn't grow up to it at all yeah, i don't grow up with it at all i mean like i feel like my relationship to tango was like watching looney tunes and right. seeing like yeah. racist depictions of in people the in red culture. dresses being dipped right. you know zero actual real relationship <laughs> right. with tango i know yeah, it's interesting, right? That tango does has like really seeped into popular culture. You know, people know the dance; they probably could recognize the music. But I'm not sure what that, why it is that that particular one has made it, but not like other, you know, types of of music from Latin America. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so but it's it's really like sexy as a sexy. genre. I find it. Is it. Sexy. it is sexy. Maybe so that's is, maybe that's why it yeah. like because it's been sold to me as that way. Right. So but maybe I'm just like very a tool. Sexy, right. Merengue <laughs> is sexy. Like all of these music, you know, yeah. all of these partner dances are sexy. Yeah. Right. So yeah, but it has a very dramatic, I don't know, well, for what, whatever reason it's, I mean, maybe it's also about Argentina and, and the way that Argentinian culture has spread in a different way than other places. And is that some of that might be about race. I don't know. It's interesting to think about, mm-hmm. but Mm-hmm. Um, so this song is kind of like a classic Argentinian tango. It's from the 20s, 1920s, um, written by these two Argentinian dudes, Pascual Contursi and Juan Bautista de Mabrogio. You can kind of hear the like Italian <laughs> sort of immigrant influence in their names mm-hmm. even from Argentina. Um, but so the bandoneon is a type of accordion. So it's kind of like a smaller version of the accordion. And I'm not sure if... All tangos have the bandoneon versus accordion. I don't know well enough to know, but that's what this the title of the song is referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, Are there yeah. accordions in Italian music? That's a good question. Right, because that, I'm is a that bad how it half got Italian. To, is it that's how it got to Argentina? Perhaps is from. I mean, I, I imagine. Know. Germany or Germans. I feel like Germans far. probably. Yeah. I don't know if there's. I don't know anything about your, Italian your dad's music. 
family, right, are, are of Italian. My dad's yeah. grandparents. My, yeah, my dad's family were Italian, Italian. immigrants. Right. So, but I'm just, Who like, several generations, like... Removed. Yeah. Right. Removed. <laughs> Bad, yeah. half Italian. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, this genre is is from Argentina, but also Uruguay. I don't think Uruguay gets as much like attention for kind of being part of tango, but they're both both. Yeah, those yeah. yeah. And so the actually the singer in this song, Tabaré Leighton, is Uruguayan. Um, okay. And, yeah. So you know a little bit of history. I I imagine this song has probably been done by lots of different people over the years, but this is a 2010 version that I found on like a mm-hmm. music of South America, like um, kind of a like you know mix CD basically of of lots of different types of music from all across um, South America, including this song. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not grow up with tango really. I don't feel like my father particularly listens to it beyond like yeah what you said, sort of a cultural representations of it and. But yeah, I'm glad we finally got to bring tango. And actually, we've brought very little music from Argentina in general on this podcast as well, right? I know, I know. Maybe we need to invite Jasmine uh, she, Garst, who's formerly of Alt Latino. Yeah, is she Argentinian? Um, to give us, a, to school us on some Argentine music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't She's Argentine. That. For some reason, I thought she was Mexican. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would no, be cool. No, no. She lived that. She lived in Mexico City for oh, many years, which okay. is maybe That's why you thought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's it. she's Argentina. Yeah, she might be down to talk about music again because she's been doing a ton of reporting, but not about music anymore, about all of yeah, other yeah. stuff. So yeah, that could be fun. Um, Definitely. And you, we forgot to mention this last week, but you were on an episode of In the Thick that we can link to in the show notes if folks want to hear. Oh yeah, it's a you know, Futuro Media Group, like Maria Hinojosa show about politics, right? It's like more political than I was Latino USA. I was the show about politics. Yeah. And uh, Maria Hinojosa called me a media personality when I was like, wow, Maria Hinojosa says I'm a media personality. Great. (laughs) Is that like how she described you on the show? Is that like your byline? I mean, she was saying something about, no, not my byline, but she was saying, like, she was like describing, like, you know, like you, Veronica, as a media personality. And I was like, okay, Maria. All right. Great. (laughs) She's such a sweetheart. Y'all should, if you don't listen to uh, In the Thick or Latino USA, you really should. And the thick is more of a political show, yeah. um, political show and news, like from a POC perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, Latino USA is like a, just stories of Latinidad mm-hmm. in the United States, outside of the United States. Right. It's really, really interesting. Right. Yeah, she's great. I was on Latino USA, like, but like years ago, like mm-hmm. know, seven years ago. And it was like, it ended up being a really short little clip about um doulas and like full spectrum doula work but i'm glad that very cool yeah, that you've gotten to be on the show more recently and then i'm there'll be an, an episode of alt latino that i'm featuring on coming out in a couple of weeks so we'll stay tuned for that once it comes out that was pretty fun for sure yeah but were you did you ever say you were on the ted radio hour that came out right mm-hmm did I ever talk I about it I feel like here? you were keeping that on the low. You didn't. Oh. I only knew that it, you told me that it was going to come out. And yeah. then the only reason that I knew that it came out was because my friend was like, I found your podcast because I was listening to this head oh, radio hour and so I cool. heard your co-host and I was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I guess I never. it was out. Yeah. It's out. It's out. Yeah. It came out a couple of weeks ago and yeah, they plugged Rather Manea on it, which was cool. Yeah. Well, y'all should go listen to yeah. 
Ted Radio on the TED Radio I'll, Hour. Yeah, I'll put a link to it. I talked about my TED Talk, which was about the impact of racism on um, maternal health. And it was a really good episode because it was all about, it looked like pretty globally at the impact of racism on people's lives from different aspects. So there's four different people who were brought on to talk about. And it, it, I think they did a really good job. Um, and there's yeah. an article in the New York Times that I haven't read yet, but I just got it yesterday. Mm, about I, I get the Sunday Times. In about, the Times um, Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. About like maternal mortality yeah. and black women yeah. in the United States. Yeah. I was really glad to see it's it. It's such she, a huge issue. She comes to the same conclusion I did, which is that it's about racism. You know, for a long time, yeah, I think absolutely. people were trying to make it about poverty or lack of access to care. And so, yeah, she comes to the same same place that I came to in my talk and in the writing I've done for the time and stuff too that it's about racism so yeah and she features mm-hmm. a really great um doula group in new orleans and their work um uh, to sort of address this issue through doula support so yeah it's a great it's a really long well-reported piece in the new york times magazine you know we're out here we are Just we're doing our thing i mean that that i did not write i wish i'd written that but i did write something else for the new york times about this topic so you know we're all doing our yeah. thing yeah yeah <laughs> awesome um, all right. What's your last song for this accordion episode? My last accordion episode song is by the um, Guadalajara group Los Masters Blues. And this song is called Fiestinha. Masters Blues are uh, another group taking folk and regional uh, sounds and remaking them into something that fits them and their own sort of tastes a little bit more. Um, They're Mexican, like I said, from Jalisco and Guadalajara. And um, obviously the accordion is a huge player in Mexican regional genres, right? Like you see in mariachi, you see it in like Norteño, you see it in Panda, right? Ranchera. yeah, yeah, and it, it was brought, like, you know, by German immigrants again, and which is how you get Mexican music that sounds like a polka, yeah. right? Like, sometimes you're just right. like, oh, this is a polka, this is how this got here. Right. Um, 
It's just a remarkable but, reminder uh, that like borders are imaginary lines. You know, like that the nation state so, yeah, it's is made like up, the right? The nation like, state is a lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm even I though was like we're about that as Latinos with like, our country we're very, episode. We're very invested in it, right? Like we're very invested in it. Um in these yeah, like, there's imaginary so much nation states. So. There's so much about it that it's like I mean I'm so like that. I'm just like mm-hmm. down with the nation state, you know, borders are a lie and then people are like Venezuela and I'm like ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's part of us so, it's, it you gets know. amplified by diaspora i think you know we like just that. yeah exactly yeah. we contain multitudes we do we do <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway this song is from 2014 and it's about excitement for the world cup which in 2014 was going to take place in um in brazil right and um was a huge deal obviously the world cup is always a huge deal in brazil there were a lot of protests um in around the world cup and also around the olympics because Mm -hmm. of um infrastructure and how much money it costs to put these sorts of things on and usually i agree like i think that like it's so the ways that these huge events happen like the olympics and um the world cup it's so fucked up. Like there's so much waste. There's so much displacement yeah. of poor people. Um, there's so much uh, resources that right. are put into this like huge, like basically like one time party and like corporate yeah. mess yeah. Um, instead of like actually giving those resources to people who really need things like running water, who right. need things yeah, especially like constant in, electricity. You know, especially in places like Brazil where, you know, when it's like it's, South Korea, you don't have the same level yeah, of like everywhere and though. Everywhere because resources and whatnot. But yeah, I like in Atlanta, for example, yeah. in Atlanta when the Olympics were there, like it fucked up Atlanta a lot. Like a lot of people, right. a lot of like poor black were people displaced. were displaced yeah. in Atlanta. You're right. It happens like, everywhere. Yeah, it's just it happens I really everywhere. I would never to... want an Olympics in my city. They really need to establish like an Olympic village in a snowy place like forever, and one, right? Yeah, and one in a in a warm place, and then that's it. That's where the Olympics happens, and like make it like Switzerland or whatever. Like the Olympics fucking yeah. owns it. But like I, I, yeah, the thing, the fact that it moves, it's so wasteful, and yeah, these abandoned. I completely agree. And the same thing with the World Cup. Like completely agree. Make a World Cup stadium. Same with and that's the World it. Cup. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, but there's but, too much money to be you made. Know, I guess. Regardless yeah. of all this like dumb problematic shit, I also like any good Latin American. I get very excited about yeah. the World Cup coming, mm. and so that's why I'm bringing this back because it's been four years, and there's going to be the World Cup this year. This time's it's it's going to be in Russia. Um, oh wow, and that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Wow, um, and you know the. Uh, it's a huge, the World Cup is a huge, huge event across Latin America and, you know, the world more generally. It's just like the United States is like slowly catching on. But right. like, yeah, I never um, really watched really, it. Really, uh, yeah, really around the world. Um, and, you know, so Venezuela, we're not very good at football, you know, mm-hmm. like like any good Caribbean <laughs> Latin mm-hmm. American country, we're more of a baseball yeah. people. 
Um, but when it comes to the World Cup and it comes around, everybody is down to watch it, right? Yeah. And because we don't have a national team. I mean, we do have a national team, but we're not good and we never make it. Yeah. So Brazil is Venezuela's national <laughs> soccer team. How convenient. It's like, yeah, everybody goes for Brazil because I don't know. There's I don't know how this came to be. Maybe it's because they're so good. But like when Colombia plays, like nobody in Venezuela gives a fuck. Like it's mm-hmm. all about Brazil all the time. You know, um, unless you're a European immigrant and you go for your country of origin, like my dad's family, which went for Italy. Mm. But my mom was always Brazil 100%, right? (laughs) It's interesting. And, you know, if Brazil gets eliminated, then like the thing that unites the nation is cheering against Argentina, basically. (laughs) Sorry, Argentina. Wow, wow. (laughs) <laughs> so it's always to think that it's in Russia. I didn't realize that because, you know, they were basically banned from the Olympics for doping. I know. And I'm I know. sure that, that, I mean, it probably looks different in football and soccer, but I'm sure it happens with that as well, right? Like the Seguro things. que es igualito. Right. Right. right? So are they not I as just like, serious imagine. about it? I wonder if the World Cup is not as I don't know. FIFA's a mess. Yeah. Talking about mess. FIFA's mm-hmm. like a corrupt, awful mess. FIFA right. is like the... I don't even know what the fuck it stands for. It's like the football federation. Yeah. You know, people who like put all that shit on and they're like a whack ass mess. And there's been like all these indictments and shit about corruption wow. Wow. Um, over the last few years. So who the Damn. fuck knows what's happening there? Okay. It's all, it's all problematic and horrible, but right. there's nothing like screaming at the TV with a group of people watching soccer (laughs) know that about you I did not know that you were into watching sports at all that's interesting yeah I mean I really am not unless it's I love I love football I do really like it I don't make a point to watch it outside of the world cup even though I think that like you know champions league would be fun to watch but it's just like I don't make extra time in my life to watch more tv generally yeah um I usually try to cut out, but sometimes I feel like I should get into basketball because basketball, I feel like is very similar to Mm. soccer in the sense that it's like always moving and stuff. I find baseball painful to watch on TV. I like going to baseball games, IRL. Yeah. Yeah. But the baseball is really the least of my concern. I like eating hot dogs and like drinking beer and hollering. I just got to go to a Marlins game in Miami, which I haven't done since I was a kid. And it was fun How because, was like, I mean, it was fun because the music, like, a lot of the music the players pick is, like, you know, music that I like. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the next music. But the team is terrible. And the gossip <laughs> is that, um, oh, my God, what's his name? This, like, famous baseball player bought the team. He's, like, the manager of the team. And then he sold off all their good players to, like, help their bottom line. Like, sold okay. off all their, like, good, expensive Seems players. Seems like kind of a bad strategy. Well, it's except it's a business, right? And so if you're if your players are too expensive, then your bottom line, you know, your margin is bad. But yeah, yeah I mean, is it a good yeah. strategy because then people are like the Marlins are terrible. So we were there and they were actually they were playing the Mets and there were more Mets fans at the game than Marlins fans. <laughs> Cuz it was all these like New Yorkers on spring break <laughs> yeah, in Miami. Yeah, these New York trans Yeah, like or or New York transplants. Yeah, like snowbirds and whatever, right? Doing so mm-hmm. um, anyway, but the music was good, so I liked that. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, was a little sad. I mean, I don't yeah. think the Marlins have ever been that good, but they're particularly bad right now. So yeah, the players always pick good music, so that helps. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and even in other places, right? There's so many Dominican players and Puerto Rican players that they're often picking really good music. So yeah, yeah. So my last song for this episode is also from Mexico. It's a song called El Novillo Despuntado, and it's by Las Gilguerías. 
So this is a female ranchera duo that actually Vero told me about. How did you find out about them, Vero? I think I was just like, when I was just researching this episode, they came yeah. up. Yeah. I was just like, how am I going to find some Women. some uh, mujeres to yeah, go on here? exactly. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're like pretty solidly ranchera, and they are actually sisters, Amparo y Imelda Higuera Juarez. And they've been doing their thing since 1955. What? Wow. Kind of like Fefita status, right? Like really have yeah. been around. Been around. Um, and they're still going, although um, Imelda passed away in 2004. So now Mercedes Castro has joined the group um, and is, is still doing the thing as this this pretty like famous duo. This is this one is of their... great. Yeah, this is I one of their... I think Rancheras are great. Yeah, this I agree. I love like the feeling. You know, it's a big feeling genre. Um, I love particularly listening to them sing together um, is a really beautiful kind of amplification yes, of that. The harmonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely like all about the feelings. It's this again. This is music that I like did not grow up with at all. Like my father really was like very Caribbean centric in his music taste, but mm-hmm. I have as an mm-hmm. adult I think come to like appreciate it more as I've just been had more exposure to it. And we've, you know, brought a very yeah. small, like, sampling of of music from northern Mexico. And there's so, so much more that we will hopefully get yeah, into yeah. as things go My on. My exposure to music from northern Mexico was mostly, like, the ads on Univision mm-hmm. for, like, Los Tigres del Norte and shit, yeah. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. For the most part, it, like, wasn't a part of my growing up at all in yeah. any way. Yeah. Uh, but, like, there's, you know in the years like have like since being in the United States have been a little bit more um more exposed and Mm -hmm. I agree with you I feel like it's just like the sentimiento that's in a ranchera Mm -hmm. there's like I feel like if I was ever going to get sad drunk a ranchera would be like the perfect soundtrack I know know. yeah yeah I think we talked about that a little bit it's like the perfect sad drunk music We talked about that a little bit in our episode with Yvonne Marquez, the Borders episode, right? I think she brought some music um, that was like sad, yes, drunk the, music. <laughs> sad, yeah. drunk music. Like the end of yeah. the night music. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I yeah, like Dragos de Amargo Licor. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is one of their big hits. I mean, they've had a, a lot of them. I don't know that much about women in Rancheras, if like that's uncommon i imagine that probably like so many genres it's male dominated so you know mm-hmm, props to these women mm-hmm. and since 1955 like what and like how much has changed and how much more difficult it must have been to be women in this industry in the 50s like it's incredible yeah dude yeah. it's got to be hard like today yeah no me imagino Let back then the 50s mm-hmm. so yeah again accordion is part of this genre you know, German immigrants, like that's sort of the, the root of all of this that we, as far as we know, um, the etymology of it, but it's be, but it's not like anyone thinks that this is German music, you know, it's really solidly Mexican at this point. So it's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode for y'all today. Hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about the accordion and some, you know, this is a pretty diverse country-wise episode, so I appreciate that. We're able yes. To hit a lot of places that we have not really gotten to talk about. I know. We really went from, like, punta punta right. in Latin America this year, right. this episode. Yep. Totally. So exciting. Well, thank you so, so, so much for listening. As always, all the music that was featured on this episode you can find 
in our show notes at radiomenea.com. Yep. And make sure um, to follow us, to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling it, please leave us a review. We really appreciate them. And they help get our show in front of other eyes and ears. Yes, that's right. Thank you so much for all of you who have left us reviews. And um, we really, really love reading them. And if you haven't yet, please definitely follow us on social media. We have um, some things that we're working on. Then that's where we're going to announce them when we have news. So please follow us at Radio Menea on Twitter and Instagram. And we're facebook.com slash Radio Menea for Facebook. So please follow us and take a look. We always have stuff for you. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back every week. Hasta la próxima. Bye.